You are listening to audio from Creekside Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside, find out about our services and upcoming events, or listen to other sermons, please visit creeksidecommunity.org. Well, good morning, Creekside family. I want to thank you to uh, Pastor Jeff, who's on sabbatical, uh, your founding pastor, John, who's been uh, an ever-presence mentoring in my life, and your elders and your staff, and your membership for supporting me, my family, um, our church plant in Fremont. Um, Yes, very exotic place. (laughs) I had planned to wear my warrior's gear today, so my outfit's supposed to come with my warrior's hat, but um, I decided last minute to not, so you get the Chinese Lego man haircut today. I apologize on behalf of that. So I'd like you to put yourself back in January 2020. Just put yourself back. What were you doing in January 2020? If you knew the pandemic was going to happen, what would you have done differently? I have a friend who actually shorted the market and made out with piles of gold and riches. What would you do? Would you travel more? Would you hug those that you love? Would you be more present with your family and friends? Would you warn people? Would you take up a hobby that you know you wouldn't be able to do? Family, because of that future reality, it would have changed your present activity. If you were in January 2020 knowing around the corner a worldwide pandemic was going to happen, it was going to change your every day in January till then. And that's the story we're looking at today. It's a story of Noah. It's a story of a man that was righteous in the eyes of God. And God said, hey, I'm going to start a new humanity with you. The world has become wicked. I've seen the wickedness. And so I'm going to warn you and save you and your family and from your family create a new humanity. I'm going to bring floods to the earth. I want you to build this boat, this ark. I want you to bring your family and animals into it. And then I'm going to rain upon the earth and wipe the earth out and start anew with you. It says, uh, well, before we get to the um, passage, go ahead and take it to the next slide. So um, this is the passage we'll be looking at from Hebrews 11. It's by faith Noah, being warned by God, concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would now come and that you would remind us of the righteousness that is offered to us by faith and that there is a future reality that does impact our present day activity for your glory and our joy. Amen. So I found a couple Noah pictures online for your amusement. This is the first one. I think this is kind of cute. On, 40 day, on a 40-day rainy cruise, Noah was forced to become a couples therapist. Uh, this next one here is 
Um, this is um, day 39 on the ark, and they have the elephants that say, I thought the limit was two. In the back, you'll, uh, if you can't see the picture, it's just a bunch of bunny rabbits. So we, we will see today, uh, my prayer is that in light of a future reality, we see how that it changes all of our present day activity. So Jesus uses this story of Noah as he teaches his followers. We see in Matthew 24, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven or the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. This is Jesus talking. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, and watching Warriors games, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Family, Jesus used Noah's story to warn all of us about an impending judgment day. So what did this future reality of a flood change for Noah, and how could we learn from it for ourselves for our version of our flood, which is Jesus' warning of judgment day? It changed three things. It changed Noah's patience, it changed his spending, and it changed his suffering. So it changed his patience. The ark was as long as a 30-story building, it was about 450 feet. It was about 75 feet wide, about 45 feet high. And in Genesis 6:14, God says, So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coach it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. Just imagine Noah as he builds this. He had to recruit the manpower. He had to acquire tools and materials. He had to draw plants, cut down trees. He had to cover all the ark with, inside and out with pitch. It took him about 100 years. This was mundane. It wasn't glamorous. It was slow. It was without reward. In the process, it was time-consuming and difficult. Noah had to develop patience. Family, what has God called you to do that you've given up on because you just don't have the patience? I've nearly given up at least two times in my marriage. Fifteen years we're celebrating in about a week. But I would have thrown in the towel at least twice in our journey. In this church planning journey that I'm in, we were in and out three and a half years. There's at least been a couple of times I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This is crazy. What, I'm trying to, what we're trying to accomplish right now is insane. In my evangelism efforts with my neighbors, my neighborhood, my city, there's been at least a few times like, you know what, that person, it's impossible to reach. What's the point? There's been plenty of times in my life where I ran out of patience. Plenty of times. Can you imagine Noah for a hundred years building this ark and having the patience to continue showing up 
day in and day out. I, when we were foster parents, we had um, our foster child live with us, and we had a lemon tree in our backyard, and he wanted to make some lemons or um, make, uh, play with the lemons. So we opened it up. He took the lemon seeds out, and then we went to the backyard again, and he, and he put the lemon seed back in the dirt, and then he covered it up. He's a five-year-old little boy, and so he's there crouching there like this. I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? He's like, waiting for it to grow. I think that's sometimes how we approach life. We want instant results, and if we don't get it, we give up. Family, what are you building in your life that requires the patience of Noah? Is it child-rearing? Is it in your career? Is it with your family relationships? Is it your finance? And family, if you are a believer, are you learning how to be patient with your neighbors? Or have we just given up because the spiritual climate of the Bay Area is so hostile? (laughs) I know, I'm I'm out there every day, I'll tell you right now, it's not friendly climate. Uh, recently, um, obviously you guys know there's been a particular basketball team playing on TV, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, amen to that. And I watch them with my friends, but I, I, I make sure we allot a couple games, at least during the playoffs, so have our neighbors over. So a couple weeks ago, we did that with our neighbors. We had 20 adults and children in our front yard. I put the TV in the garage, opened the garage, got some food for everyone, and, and like just a hodgepodge of people, uh, this Russian-Ukrainian family, uh, this Hindu-Indian background family, uh, this Muslim family, uh, just on our front yard watching the game. Well, most of them weren't watching the game. They weren't really into the game. They were just eating, and we are just getting to know each other. And I, and, I, and I looked out, and at one point in time, I'm thinking to myself, God, this is going to take a miracle if you're going to do, if, if something's going to happen in these people's lives. Because as much as I believe in Jesus, um, he believes in Hinduism or Taoism. Um, this past week, we had another one, and we had another select group of friends that were not part of any church come, about 15 adults and kids and on our driveway. And it, same thing, people from Pakistan, from Iran, and just, just, just looking out. I'm like, man, God, you have to give me the patience to continue to do this, to sow seeds, to invite people into relationship with you and to with us. Um, it's going to take patience to reach the Bay Area. And I know, family, that's tempting to throw in the towel because you don't see instant results. I feel it. I'm with you. My wife is recently starting a book club with a member of her church, and it's just our neighbors. And we're very excited about it. We're praying for it because there's moms in this book club that just live 25 feet from our house. So family, Noah's um, future reality changed his present day activity. It changed his patience because he had a grasp 
on the future. And I want to encourage you today, there is a future reality for you to hold on to, to encourage your present day activity, to be patient with what God has called you to do, to build, to sow, to invest, to serve, to sacrifice, to love, to give. Because there is a future reality. The second thing is spending. Now, I don't know how much Noah would have spent on his ark. If you know, I'd love to talk with you. I do know in Kentucky, has, has anyone been here, the Kentucky ark? So there, who's been there? Your in-laws have been there? So Max's in-laws have been there. There's an ark in Kentucky, and they built it with a zip line, a zoo, and a restaurant, and it cost $100 million to build. So um, I don't know how much Noah would have spent on his ark, but I'm sure we can all agree it was a financial sacrifice. Family, my question for us is how does a future reality of judgment impact our present-day spending? You know, because of an eternity that awaits us for the believers in the house, we can spend on things that are eternal. Your church is the most kingdom-minded church I've ever seen. I've never seen a church say, we're going to give church planters in another city down the street 2000 a month, and we're not going to expect this church Anything in return from them. When I, normally it's like 4%, 5%. You kick back and you build a network and then you have revenue generating coming in from all the church plants that you're sowing out there. That's the usual church planting model. I've never seen a church say, I'm going to, we're going to have Pastor John call you and you guys have a, a, a one-hour call uh, on a regular basis to talk about life, faith, best practice, leadership, service. This church, Creekside, is so kingdom-minded. I hope if you don't know that right now, if you come here, to know that today. Your church is so eternally, uh, eternally focused. It's not just your little C church that you care about. It's the kingdom of God that you care about. And I'm a living example of that for the past three and a half years where my family and I have received your support, been able to give that and channel that to fam other families in need. And your church is like, yeah, let's keep doing this. I've experienced the opposite, where we wanted to plant a church, and they were like, well, you know, that's just a threat to us. So I, I, I want to encourage you guys. This, you guys are living this. Um, our, my, our first, actually, um, donation was from a man in Tennessee, and he gave us our first $10,000. This is three and a half years ago now. And this is what he said to us. He said, Lita, I want to go to heaven one day, and I want to see just random people of all ethnicities walk up to me and say, hey, because you sowed into that church, we were impacted by that. We were influenced for the gospel by that in heaven. Like, what kind of eternal perspective is that? I'm thinking about tomorrow. I'm thinking about in a month going to, like, some place I want to be or some restaurant I want to eat at. You and this man, is, you're thinking of heaven. You're thinking of eternity. You're thinking of kingdom. And I think this is what Noah had. Noah had a perspective of the future that informed the way he would spend today.
God told Noah to build a boat. Then God said, I'll bring the animals. Because a lot of times you may ask yourself, but what if I don't have enough for myself and my family? I can't give. I can't give to Creeks. I can't give to this organization. I can't give to this person. I need enough for myself. Look at Genesis 6.20. This is so cool. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. God is the one that provided the animals. And when God tells you to do something, he's going to provide the way to do it. I'm a living testimony to that. I've learned in three and a half years of church planting, when God tells me to write a check, he's going to back it up. For a while, we didn't pay my wife, Jess. I was just on salary uh, with, the, with the church, and my wife was working free for about three years, part-time. We decided, the leadership of our, of our team said, we got to start paying her something to, to give her some part-time compensation. And so we decided after an agonizing couple weeks, I had sleepless nights. Okay, we agreed we'll give her $30,000 part-time for this year, 2022. And I had sleepless nights because I was thinking, you know, the more money we take away from the church for our family, then the more it's going to just cause more problems for our budget. It's going to raise the pressure and the intensity and the stress level. I couldn't sleep. And we decided to bring her on staff part-time. A couple days later, someone shows up at our door, literally at our door with a $35,000 check. I'm not making this up. This is what happened to us. They're like, here. And like, they don't even come to our church. They just heard about our church. And family, we're not financially independent, but we've allotted in faith to give $18,000 away this year to the refugee families that have moved from Afghanistan to the area, to the homeless, who will likely not come to church or tithe in return. But we know that God is going to provide for us as he calls us to do his mission. Right now, we're working with a family of 10 Afghan refugees living in one house to get them a car. What if their image of God is altered by our no-strings-attached kind of love? How does a future reality impact today? How does it impact your financial activity now? As Noah was generous, as Noah was generous to build the ark and trusted God's provision, family, I invite you to be generous to the kingdom. God will provide your needs. Matthew six nineteen says, "Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow." They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed in like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore don't be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, drink, or wear where the warriors win the finals? I don't know. For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The future reality changed Noah's patience, it changed his spending, and finally it changed his suffering. In verse seven, 
Hebrews chapter 11, we read, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By believing in the words of God in the future, Noah didn't just condemn the world as he was building this ark, making the statement that this is a reality in the future. The world would have condemned him. Can you imagine the ridicule Noah would have gone through? The judgment, the condemnation, the contempt, the mocking, the slander. For a hundred years, Noah had to put up with people walking by. There goes crazy Noah building his boat in the middle of the desert. But for a hundred years, Noah's eyes were on the future. What does this mean for us? When we believe in a future reality, it changes the way we suffer. And it changes the way we experience rejection and ridicule. You know the Bay Area is tough. We have 3 5% people in church right now on a Sunday morning. I've experienced those same numbers as I'm out there at the gym with my neighborhood. The 99% of people I talk to, they just reject us. 1%, sometimes it happens. And like, it's like once in a blue moon, like Jesse, who I met at the gym, this is six years ago, playing basketball after a game, invited him to church, started talking, building a relationship. Now he leads one of our small groups, one of our leaders of our church. But that's, that's the exception, not the norm. The norm is, is, is my friend, Wahid, who, who, who makes contemptuous comments about Jesus. Or, or my other friend, Mike, who says, I invited him to church, I don't need church. Or my other friend, Corey, who just, I invited for, to build a house for Habitat for Humanity. He says, you know, you're just going to sell those houses and make a profit for yourself. And the rejection doesn't stop hurting. God's grace just gets sweeter. Now, I need you to suspend all of your judgments on Kanye West for one second. But I'm going to use him in an illustration. He has a documentary on, I think, Netflix. And there's a scene of him going to record labels, playing his music before he became famous. So he's shopping his stuff around. And he's playing his music, and it's good. But the administrative people, the record producers, are just ignoring him. They just talk over the music. They're talking on the phone. And he's just sitting there, like, just taking it. Like, okay, I'm going to take my tape, go to the next one. He walks down the hall, plays it in the next office. And there again, they just reject him. They're just playing. On the, they're talking on the phone. They're talking to each other. They're ignoring the music. And he gets interviewed. And someone asks him, if someone told you a year ago, this is when he became famous now, if someone told you a year ago you would be nominated for 10 Grammys, would you believe it? And Kanye responds, I told other people and they didn't believe it. Family, can we have the resolve of Kanye West in a future reality to face present-day suffering?
for the gospel. As a matter of fact, knowing this future reality changes all of our suffering, not just for gospel initiatives, not just for gospel risk. It changes all suffering. When we face pain, loss, and heartache, we suffer differently because we know how the story ends. We know that this all ends in our favor for those of you that are in Christ. Do you think that supply, supply chain delays stopped Noah from building the ark? Like, oh man, the nails are stuck in China. I guess I'll stop building this thing. Do you think accidentally hitting his thumb with a hammer caused him to stop building the ark? No. He weathered it. He, you, you express your pain. You lament and you mourn. You find comfort in, in trusted sources and you turn to God. But he kept going because he had a vision of the future. Family, some of us leave, this is just for free, some of us leave the church because we got hurt by somebody here, but that's because we had our focus on the wrong thing. That's a side note. Noah had resolved knowing a bruised thumb doesn't change a flood, and your bruised ego doesn't change the reality of a judgment day. Noah knew when a friend ghosted him in church, it didn't change God's faithfulness to him. So your rejection and pain doesn't mean that God abandoned you. Noah trusted that a sickness in his body didn't mean God had amnesia in his head. So your cancer doesn't mean that God forgot about you. Noah believed that a market collapse didn't mean God was out of control. So your financial struggle doesn't mean God does not provide your needs. Noah suffered because he had an unswerving faith in the future reality that God would deliver on. And 1 Peter 4 says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Family, we recently had half our families in our church leave from one reason or another. One family had issue with this, another family had issue with that. And yes, I take every single opportunity to learn and to grow. And, I, and I'm just like, man, what, what's happening here? God, why are, you, why are you allowing this? What's going on? I thought you were calling me to build a church. You know, I thought God was calling me to build a platform, but really he was calling me to an altar. He was actually calling me to die. And I read 2 Corinthians all the time now. Like, Paul, I feel burdened beyond my strength. But that was so that I can learn to rely on God. Family, my, my worst nightmare can come true. But the bottom doesn't fall out. Because I have a God who has spoken and declared victory on a day in the future that will come. And there's nothing in my present that can change, alter, edit, and take that away. There is a future for you in your church and your family and your soul that cannot be changed by your present day activity. Whatever suffering you endure in the future day of Jesus' return, all of our suffering 
will become undone. I love this John Piper quote, all wrongs against you will be set right. All patience under mockery will be vindicated. All shame in this world will be replaced with honor. All pain will be removed. All losses will be restored. All brokenness will be mended. All humiliation will be exchanged for garments of glory. All slander will be revealed to be false before the whole world. And quiet faithfulness will be replaced with global fame among millions of redeemed people. Family, God is helping me see the end. And that's giving me a present day hope and a peace and a joy, and a security I've never experienced in my life before. But that was because I'm suffering. But it's bringing me near to God. His invitation to you as you suffer is to do the same, to draw near to him, not to your screens, not to Netflix, not to distractions. I'll close with this. Everything in Noah's story is a foreshadowing of the gospel. Noah sent out the dove that ascended above the water, but Jesus saw a dove descend upon him while he was in the water. Noah was condemning the world, but Jesus was condemned for the world. Noah's floating wooden ark saved his one family, but Jesus hanging on a wooden cross saved every family of all tongues, tribes, and nations. Outside of Noah's ark, there was only condemnation and death to be found, and the same is outside of Jesus' cross, there's only condemnation death to be found. But within the ark of Noah, there was salvation and grace, and within the cross, There is salvation and grace to you for free for all of eternity. Because of the gospel, we don't just have a future reality that changes today. Because of the gospel, we have a past reality that already happened, that influences all of the future for all of time. Something already happened on our behalf. We no longer have to think of some future day of judgment where we'll be redeemed and vindicated. We have a past component of faith, what already occurred that affects all of our lives from this day on and forever, which is Jesus and his death on the cross. And he took your sins and my sins upon himself was executed on our behalf and was raised in three days and said, whoever believes in me, you won't perish. I'll give you eternal life. Jesus is the better Noah. And Jesus offers his grace to you, not in an ark, but the shape of a cross. If you would believe, receive his grace. Father, I pray that this message of Noah would speak to our hearts. For the believers in the house, it would embolden our our faith. Because of a, a future reality, we would endure patiently the mission you've put on our lives. We would give generously and sacrificially, and we would suffer with you because we know we will be comforted by you. And Father, for those that are outside the cross this morning, they would you would speak to their hearts that Noah's story is actually our story. And this time it's not going to be water, but it will be fire, as Jesus has said many times. So I pray that your reality of the future would be illuminated within their hearts, that we would give our lives to you and put our faith and hope in the cross, the redemptive work, the gospel of Jesus.